you. But I want to invite Jeff up. He's going to come up now, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what God has been doing in Guatemala. Many of you give financially, but hopefully you've been praying for uh, Jeff and Nicole and the team there, and we've taken three straight years of mission teams there. So Jeff's going to be giving you, I think, some really exciting news about what God is doing. And if you have been praying for them or giving, uh, then you're going to see some of the fruit of what God is doing. So Jeff, why don't you go ahead and give us an update what's going on there. All right. I'm in. How is everyone? Yeah, very good. Well, I just want to share with you um, what's going on in Guatemala. It's truly uh, a blessing to come back. We were here I believe about seven months ago, and in this last seven months, uh, we just have experienced God's faithfulness. Uh, God's faithful, right? Yeah, can we, can we test that? Yeah. All right, yeah. fantastic. So when we went to Guatemala, you know, uh, in Matthew, he says, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And I am with you. And, and, and we have experienced over this last seven months, uh, you know, just God's faithfulness once again. And we set out three years ago um, to start a, a school. And we started that school completely in faith. It was actually two years before we started the school uh, that the Lord put it in my heart. He says, you know, if you want to reach this next generation, if you want to uh, change this community, it's going to be through education and raising up uh, a new generation. And so from that, uh, begin to pray and pray and patience because it was two years. And, and um, come to find out, I said, well, Lord, you've called me here to plant a church, uh, but that's just going to be so much of my time. And he says, well, there's somebody there. So you, you've got an educator that, that you need. And so I began to pray for this educator, and um, little did I know that she was in our congregation for the last two years, but the Lord, you know, was, was growing her and, and discipling her, you know, in his ways, and it was just a cool story because um, it was one Sunday morning where the Lord says, why don't you ask her, you know? And, and this lady, she's been in our church for two years. She has a job, uh, a nice job that's right next to her home. All her kids go to this school or where she's working. And she's been there for 15 years, has seniority, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, but Lord, I don't think so, you know. So here's what happened. So that Sunday, I said, hey, what would you think about starting a school? You know, just right, right off the bat. And she says, she just was like almost in tears. And I was thinking... Why is she crying? So, so, but but here's why. So here's why. It was only that week that the Lord was stirring in her heart that she needed a change. And so that Sunday, that was the change. And so we began this journey. And the first year, we were at 12 kids. And then the second year, we, we grew to 49 kids. It's a great growth pattern, right? And then, and then from there, we went to 85 kids. And so we, just continuing to grow and just focusing on discipling these kids in the way of the Lord. Matter of fact, if you'll stand up, Tyler. It's a friend of mine, Tyler, right here. He was one of our teachers early on. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he actually moved here to Richmond, and so we had an opportunity to kind of uh, cross paths. Uh, but if you will, open your Bibles to Luke chapter... Luke chapter 5, and 
Pastor Tim told me I had about 75 minutes, so um, <laughs> where's he at? Did he go to the bathroom? Okay. So anyways, um, I want to share with you a, a little bit about this journey and just how faithful um, God has been along that journey. So as you've got that intro, um, I want to show you just a few. Oh, so let me go back. Okay. So our school year there, it starts the mid-January and it ends in uh, mid-October. So we just finished our third year and this is our, our graduation. How cute, right? Yeah, I'm actually in there too. I, I'm just kidding. So and there's all the parents and family. It was just an amazing uh, event. So last year we had this event at our church, and because the you know the amount of kids plus parents and family, uh, we had to rent out a a place in order to best facilitate it. My beautiful wife did an amazing job with the choreography and the creativity. Okay, and so now. What I want to um, share with you is this last year, we, start, we had four, five, and six years old, actually our second year. Now, seven years old actually is first grade, okay? So this year, we had um, four, five, six, and seven years old, okay? And that's first grade. But the problem was is we were so full. We, we don't have space for, uh, you know, another student in that school, but we do have to provide what? Second grade, right? And third grade and continue. And so we're like, you know what? Let's take a step of faith and let's um, start that first grade with the expectation that God's going to provide a building for us. Now, we were praying and praying and praying. And, you know, we came, I think last time I, I presented to you that we were looking to buy a building. We were looking to buy land. We were looking to do, but when we started coming down to it, you know, it was like, three quarters of a million dollars. And so, you know, when it's all said and done, we're looking at like, really? You know, <laughs> like this is not going to work. Like we need this, we, we need this property for January of 2019, Lord. And so it co <laughs> we, we come to, it comes to this scripture and in Luke chapter five, if you'll pay, uh, pay your attention in verse four, Jesus, he's teaching um, and then once he's teaching in the boat, he says, hey, just put me out a little bit. He finishes his teaching. And then in verse four, he he says this. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So here's the deal. We were looking for finances, we were looking for land, we were looking for building, and, and we couldn't find it anywhere, right? But the Lord says, listen, hey, go out to the deep. And what's happening here is that these are fishermen, right? And the Lord tells them to go out to the deep, and they're saying, that doesn't make sense. You, you don't go fishing in the daytime. We've been fishing all night. That doesn't make sense. You don't go out to the deep. You, 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 you fish right there on the edge in the shallow. It doesn't make sense. And so the Lord um, here for us was telling us, hey, go out into the deep. I have something for you. 
And what he was telling us the whole time was, and he spoke through several people, is that we needed to rent a building. And the building was right there, uh, right, it was in the deep, if you will. It was right on the edge of the town. And so here's what we have. Um, little did I know, this building right here, I've drove past this, and I've watched it being built for four years. But I never thought that that was our school. You know, it's on a main road on the outside of the town. And I'm like, man, so... After I, after I got this, this vision that we need to rent a building and we're going to find one, you know, but it was out of my thinking. It wasn't the norm. And, and I had to just come, I had to believe and I had to have faith and I had to believe that God knew what he was doing and I just had to be obedient. And so here we found this building and, and I just pulled up to it and I said, hey, you know, um, are you possibly renting this thing? You know, I know you're building it. looks like you guys have a purpose for it. And the guy says, you know what? Um, we've been building it for four years. Uh, you know, we started out and it was going to be apartments. And now um, we're at a place where we don't have any more money, you know. And so I began to uh, dialogue and look at, you know, how, how could we could do this business. Now, I asked him, let's do a 15-year lease, Right. Because it's a school, you know, it's not something you can just pick up and, and move. So we're, we're looking at a 15 years lease, okay, and the, and the lease ends up totaling about a half a million dollars, right? Then we look at the investment of what it would take in order to get that to a place where we can use it for a school. So just on our end, you know, it was about $50,000 investment, okay? Now on his end was probably about the same. So... Here we're, we're, we're in this contract, we're, we're debating, and I'm like, man, I'm really in the deep right now. You know, I'm in a place. <laughs> so, so finally, we, we make a deal, you know, on both ends. And I sign the contract. And the, my buddies that were with me, um, you know, some leaders in the church, we go, we get in the car, and they're like, so, so how much do we have in the savings <laughs> for the school? And I'm like, nothing. So you just sign the contract, right. right? And we need the investment, plus it's 15 years. Like, what are we going to do? What do we do? We trust in the Lord. What do we do? We pray hard. We pray hard. But here's God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is this, man. So as soon as we took that step, as soon as we threw our nets into the deep, where it made no sense at all, right, it was only the next week that we begin to get commitments, People are starting to commit and saying, hey, we know you're doing the school. You got this building. You know, we want, to be on, we want to be on board, okay? As of today, let me show you where we're at. So this is what the building looks like now. Yeah. So this is the backyard. We're going we're gonna, to um, potentially put a, a playground there, um, a soccer field there, um, so I can watch kids play. I don't play soccer. Anyway, and so that, that's, that's where we're at. You know, now we're in this, this position. The only thing we're, we're looking to do now is uh, we're finishing all the details. We're putting the doors on. Uh, this week we'll be painting the interior, and then uh, we need to uh, furnish it. So pray for that, okay? Uh, it's furnishing. I look at it as a little detail. You know, it's, it's $10,000 to... Uh, furnish uh, 100 desks and all the classrooms and things like that. 
But, man, when I see God's faithfulness of what he did as we took that step, as we, we went to a place where it was the deep, we went to a place where we didn't understand everything. We went to a place where we didn't have all the details and all the blanks filled in. Uh, we're now at a place where we've got to see God's faithfulness and his story be written. And so I'm so excited uh, before you today to, to share with you just how, you know, how faithful God is. Now, we're expecting, so we just finished with 85 kids. Next year, we'll be up to 200 kids. And so, yeah, so, and we have teachers. My wife's going to teach. And, you know, God just put in every piece of the puzzle uh, of this school. And so, not only do, does the size or the quantity of how many kids are going to the school and how many lives will be changed, um, but it's also the quality and so we really have focused in on, you know, the quality of making disciples of all nations, discipling them in the ways of the Lord. Now, this just this year alone, we had one service at 11 o'clock, and now we're, we have three services at, in our church. So we, we have a Saturday service and then a 9 and 11. And, you know, I believe that a lot of that is from this Christian education, we're seeing parents that are actually coming on board and coming to church. And so, and we love that because the heart of the school is not just to educate, but it's for the family ministry. And so the, the parents are saying, hey, we need Jesus too. You know, our kids are coming home and they're praying and, you know, they're telling us about Jesus, but, you know, and then the hearts are being convicted and saying, hey, we need that as well. And so let's partner together to raise these kids in the ways of the Lord. Um, having that said, um, man, we're just so grateful to, to come back here and to share all that good news. I have a question for you. Who in here, if you will, if you could just stand for one moment, has been to Guatemala? Great. And there's actually a few. There's, look, we got, I love how it's all spread out. Yeah. Tyler's been there and my wife's been there as well. Um, so listen, so this is probably about 10% of your church. You know, I really want to encourage you to come, you know, take that time to come. You can sit down last, the last, uh, time I was here, I, you know, shared about the paralytical. Anybody remember that? Get up, you know, get up off your mat and get in. Right. And so Charmy, she's what a beautiful heart she is. She heard and she was obedient. She says, I'm, I'm going. And she went, and let me tell you, yes. Yeah, you can clap, man. Yeah. She went, and she was just in a blessing for all the people of Guatemala. She, she was able to reach, uh, a, you know, s some certain people that, that I wasn't able to reach. And just with the wisdom and the knowledge that she carries and her, her special beautiful heart. So thank you for being obedient and getting out of your seat. That was just an amazing experience. But I also want to invite all the rest of the church because I believe that we're going to have another trip that's coming um, soon this next summer. And so I want to thank you guys for your prayers. Um, I want to thank you guys for um, supporting us uh, for the last three to four years. Four years or three? Yeah, three years. Um, we, we love coming back here, especially at October with all the leaves changing. You know, and so um, God bless you guys. Thank you so much.
morning again, everybody. I know you know this, but we have such an incredible blessing to be able to lift our brothers and sisters up in prayer. The things they face on a daily basis is beyond anything that we can imagine. And so the only way we can support them is on a daily basis in prayer. There's a lot of countries around the world that persecution is very normal. There's one country in particular, North Korea, that for 14 years, it's the worst. It's number one. The next video, when you watch it, please, it's, it's hard. I, I've seen it. That's why I'm tearing up. Watch it with an open mind and try and put yourself the faith that these people have in our Lord Jesus Christ is something that really we can only see and we can read in the Bible. So take a couple minutes. I hope you enjoy this video, but really take it heart and just see the faith. It ends with her singing a worship song. And you, you heard part of her story. Um, but just be in prayer. We have... Um, we serve a huge God, and she's not alone. There's so many people who are physically alone, but they have a heavenly Father they call upon. And that's a beautiful blessing. It's a beautiful truth that they find all their hope and confidence in. So the next thing Pastor Tim will do, just a quick Devo, and, um, and then we'll go on to some prayer time. Well, I don't know if the enemy didn't want you to hear the rest of her story or if the Lord wanted you to hear another voice on the connectedness of the body of Christ because yet another persecuted believer's voice came in, uh, which is a different video. I don't know how that happened, but um, at any rate, uh, I have one thought on it. The video is 5 minutes and 38 seconds. How many things will you and I do in the coming week that have zero eternal value that'll be well long, longer than five minutes and 38 seconds. So here's my challenge to you. Maybe God wants to, maybe you guys, I'm not going to let the video go all the way through. I want to see who will actually go play it at home and take the time to just watch it. So here's my challenge to you. We'll send it out. We'll post it on uh, our Facebook site. We'll post it on the internal Calvary Tales, we'll send it on the admin site. And I challenge you, I ask of you to watch the whole thing. She ends up singing Amazing Grace at the end in Korean. It's awesome. But um, watch it. May inspire you to watch a few more, to pray a little bit, you know, say, Lord, I, I didn't know. You have to be intentional. Today is the uh, observed day of the International Day of Prayer. You, you saw in the, the first video, it's the fourth or the 11th. And so we've done it the first Sunday of each uh, November for the last at least three or four years. I don't know how many churches observe it. It's a very small percentage in the United States. Percentage-wise, there's not a ton. I mean, there's maybe hundreds of churches, but there should be thousands upon thousands observing it. Uh, and the reason why most don't is because most people are focused on, well, Things are going well here. 
we got enough problems here. we got enough things going on here. I don't have time to focus out there. Uh, but Jesus, that's not the life in the ministry he lived, did he? He didn't say, well, we got enough going on in Jerusalem, or we got enough going on in Galilee, that we don't really need to go. No, he went from city to city, village to village, place to place. And so I can't be all over the world, but I can pray all over the world. Isn't that great to know? Amen. There's places I'll never get to, but I can pray my way straight into them. And so can you. You can't even get into North Korea. You're probably glad you can't get into North Korea. But you can pray into North Korea, and God's raising up people there. The Bible says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm rejoicing with what God is doing in Guatemala. How about you? I, I'm thrilled. In, in Uganda, Pastor Bill, they have over 300 kids in the orphanage now. I'm rejoicing with that, but I'm also weeping with those that are being persecuted just for name in the name of Jesus. You think your Christian life is hard here? Try living somewhere else in some of these places. And it's real, and God wants us to care. He desperately wants us to care. You know, Jesus warned, this doesn't necessarily happen in the life of every single person, although I do believe that if you're going to live for Christ in this country, you should experience some sort of uncomfortability. You should have either some neighbor or some coworker or some family member that's put off by you. I'm not saying that you live to be annoying. <laughs> I'm not saying that you live to be obnoxious. You do quite the opposite. You should live to be a bright light. But your light should draw a bunch of people and repel a few. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. He said, Luke chapter 6, verse 22, Blessed are they when men hate you. Not if, when. When they exclude you, when they revile you, when they cast out your name as evil. You see what they called her in North Korea? Wicked and evil creatures. Which the opposite is true. The people saying it are being wicked. But he says, for the son of man's sake, they should not dislike you because you are being a jerk. They should have an issue because you're reflecting Jesus. And he goes on to say, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. How many of you are really excited when people don't like you because of your faith? I don't really feel that way naturally. I, Lord, help me. You know, I want to be liked by everybody. How about you? I, I walk into a place, I want them to like me, but Jesus said the bottom line is if they don't, it's me in you. Not because, you know, so again, we want to be kind, we want to be considerate, we want to be the most gracious, encouraging people, but some of the saints around the world are all of that, and they're still hated and killed just for name in the name of Christ. So Jesus warned this would, this would be the case, that it would not be received everywhere. Stephen was a nice man, but he stood up to preach, and they gnashed their teeth and stoned him to death, right? First martyr uh, in the church after Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the greatest example of this. Did Jesus do anything but love people? How was he treated? Not just killed, crucified. Can you imagine a more brutal, torturous way to kill someone? They didn't want him to just die. They wanted him to suffer, and all because he was healing people, raising people from the dead, he, uh, just delivering people from demons. They're like, this guy's got to go. So Jesus said, hey, if they hated me, they, they will hate you too. And some of our brothers and sisters in the world are experiencing this in ways that we do not 
today, and, and Lord willing, we won't, but there's no guarantee someday these things could happen here. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 25, I cite Matthew 25 a lot, at the end of the age, he's going to turn to the faithful saints. And the greatest context of Matthew 25, the latter part of the chapter, is saints ministering to the other saints. It can be applicable to unsaved people, like our teens going into Bon Air, for example. They're going primarily to reach unsaved kids. But the, the greater context of Matthew 25 at the end, because Jesus makes it clear, he says, the least, as you did to the least of these, my brethren. My brethren. Who does that mean? He says, the ones who had come into faith. And he says this. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You can't go to North Korea, but you can help ministries that are dropping leaflets right into the countries. You may not be able to get to parts of Africa, but you can help ministries that are deep in the interior of Africa putting their life on the line. There's, other, there's already people willing to do the heavy lifting, but Americans, are we willing to just get on our knees and pray? Well, I don't have time. I'm really, really busy. You know, you've you got to see my schedule. I, I've got all kinds of stuff going on. And Jesus says, Really? At the end of the age, he's going to say, roll tape. When did you go visit me? Well, I, I live in the United States. I couldn't. He said, you could have visited me in prayer. You had lots of time for that. Well, that's true, but I didn't know about all this stuff. He goes, well, why didn't you know about it? You know about a bunch of other stuff. We have to be intentional to care enough to say, Lord, let me investigate. What we care about, we investigate. People spend more time researching a microwave then they will researching what's going on with the body of Christ worldwide. And if you can spend all that time pouring through consumer reports to get the perfect mic, which was not going to be that much different than the other nine, <laughs> then Jesus says, why don't you know what's going on around the world? It's not that the information is not available. It's that we, we invest in what we care about, right? We invest in what we care about. What we care about is where we invest, our checkbook, our clock, our management of time, everything speaks to what we actually care about. Not what we say we care about, but what we actually care about. So Jesus is saying, hey, I was in prison. He noticed he didn't say, he didn't say her, Han Wu was in prison. He said, I was in prison. Well, at the end of the day, when I stand before Jesus, he's going to say, you visited me. Not Han Wu. Me. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? He says, I was the one. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Didn't he? He didn't say, Saul, you're persecuting a bunch of believers in Jerusalem and now Damascus. He says, you're persecuting me. So Jesus says, when you care about me, you'll care about them. We talk about the, the connectedness of the body of Christ. Uh, I love the little kids in Guatemala. I love the ones we met in El Salvador. I love the ones that are in Africa. And all. But Jesus says, because I put love into you, You'll want to love the body of Christ. Now, we love the lost too. That's part. The Great Commission is to go reach the lost, but inside the body of Christ, we're called to love our brother and sister as ourselves, aren't we? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, it says to pray for those. He says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body. Has anyone here ever had a tooth that is throbbing? 
Do you say, well, that doesn't matter because the rest of my body's doing great? <laughs> I don't really care. I can ignore the tooth from now until the day I die because the food I'm tasting tastes good. Uh, the rest of my, my foot feels great. I couldn't care less that this tooth is throbbing to the place. doesn't matter a bit. No, because when one part of our body, I don't care if it's a little splinter, it gets all your attention. And the Lord is saying, I've got parts of the body that are throbbing. And Hebrews 13.3 says, you need to pray as if you're there with them. Now, that takes intentionality because we don't wake up in a prison cell, do we? So you have to decide, Lord, take me there in prayer. Take me there in your word. Take me there in care. Take me there in love. It takes intentionality because you will not wake up tonight chained. So you have to say, Lord, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, just head to the bathroom, just start praying for somebody. That kind of thing. It takes intentionality. The Lord says, you have to remember. He says, remember them. What's the opposite of remember? Forget. The opposite of remember is forget. We will forget what matters and we'll remember what doesn't matter. And Jesus says, when you stand before me at the end of the day, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you, did you catch that TV show? He's going to say, did you bring the cup of water in my name? Did you visit me? Did you remember these things? Well, I forgot. Why didn't you write them down? Jesus is going to ask us, why didn't you write them down? Why didn't you make them a priority? Uh, we, could, we could have had a normal service today. I could preach from Nehemiah. But you know, what the, you know what the rest of the church is asking us around the world? You ever hear people say, pray for us? You notice they never say, please preach a sermon for us. When a tragedy happens around the world, people don't tweet out, keep us in your thoughts and sermons. Keep us in your thoughts and pontifications. Keep us in your thoughts and what? Prayers. Pray as if you're with them. They want your prayer. If all of our leaders, Jeff, I told Jeff this morning, I said, Jeff, if all of your leaders in Guatemala, you and all your leaders were killed tomorrow, and all of our leaders were killed here, you know what you guys would do? You wouldn't get up and preach a sermon. You'd start praying. Right? You'd start praying. And so we have to be intentional. I know that it's taking time. I, I, I love going through the Word of God. It's important. But God says, my house will also be a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. Not just a house of sermons. Not just a house of teaching. As Sam was here, it's about application. We hear messages to learn to pray. And we pray to then apply. And so the Lord is telling us, hey, I want you to stop. It's just this one Sunday. In John chapter 17, I'll close it with this, and we're going uh, to head into uh, a little bit of time of prayer with our last um, uh, 20 to 30 minutes here. And John chapter, oh, before I, before I do that, um, one, one quote from Leonard Ravenhill. You guys ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill? Powerful, powerful uh, man of God. You know, he preached mostly in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, but uh, he, a pastor was boasting to Leonard Ravenhill about the church, and he said, yeah, last week we had 4,000 people in the church service. Leonard Ravenhill said, really? That's nothing. How many were in the prayer meeting? How many were in the prayer meeting? Because Leonard Ravenhill had come to see, as he had visited around the world, if people weren't praying, then their Christianity was more of a veneer than it was active, loving, forgiving, evangelistic, faithful, committed. He said, if there's not a vibrant prayer life in a believer, 
then they just know a bunch of stuff, but they're not living a bunch of things. And so uh, it's important for us uh, to take the very counsel of the scriptures. You know, Paul said, pray for us. He's the apostle Paul. And he's saying, pray for us, pray for us. We're in chains, pray for us. We have all kinds of battles and fiery trials and all these things. Pray, and Jesus said in John 17, remember Jesus was headed to the cross, and he said, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. And so as we come into prayer, I said today's service is about the connectedness of the body. You know, I don't see Jeff that much, but we feel very connected, don't we? Uh, You know, I, I feel part of what's going on in the school down there, even though I'm not teaching there. I feel part of what's going on in Uganda, even though I don't live there. I haven't even been to Uganda yet. I feel part of what Lee and Zach are doing as they share their heart. I pray it, and I feel, and they feel connected here. As a matter of fact, sometimes they're watching our services live. They might, hi, Lee and Zach, if you're watching now. Uh, they feel connected with what's going on here. But God says, all right, that's great, but I also want you to remember the people that are drenched in tears that were beaten last night for the faith. Last night. Well, you and I were, well, I was enjoying stuffed shells. They were being beaten for the faith. And it takes intentionality. And I thank you that you knew we were going to talk about these things and you came today anyway. Because a lot of people will blow it off. And I feel bad for them because if they stand before God and they blew it off, Jesus is going to ask, why? I wanted your heart softened a little bit. I wanted you to see these things. I wanted you. So we're going to, we're going to send that video and I hope you'll watch it. But we're going to have four men. Pastor Jeff's going to come up first. After Pastor Jeff comes up, Trevor will come up. After Trevor comes up, Scott will come up, one of our elders. After Scott comes up, uh, Dr. Russ will come up, one of our elders. And each of them is just going to give a 20, 30-second intro, thereabouts. We're going to pray for about five minutes in four sections, five minutes each. It really is going to be five minutes. Don't be offended if you're cut off in mid-prayer. One of the guys will come up. Why this matters is because your children are over there. (laughs) And we can't keep them there forever. So I would love, last year we did a prayer service on Sunday evening. We would have done that tonight, but we had the stones here. We really wanted to kind of combine this and just see the connectedness so you would see that, and some of you would not come if it was a prayer meeting tonight. And I want you to be part of Maybe you've never even been to a prayer meeting. Maybe you say, well, you know, it's something I just haven't done yet. Uh, when, we, when we take the time to pray, you can do a couple of things. You can just pray by yourself. If you say, I don't really know the person beside me. I just would like to just talk to the Lord and just pray. You can do that. Just pray by yourself. If you, if you feel comfortable, then you can say to two or three people, hey, you want to pray together and pray quietly. Don't get in your really loud voice, but just to really, you know, quietly. You can pray two or three, four but you can pray with just your family there, whatever. Uh, you'll have that opportunity. Wednesday nights, we kind of break into little groups, but you don't have to do that. The main thing is that you take what you've heard so far, what you've heard from the scriptures, what you heard from the testimony, what you saw in the video, and what the prayer points will be. So, Jeff, why don't you come up and introduce our first prayer point? All right. <clears throat> Very good. He said, I have 30 seconds, so. I'm going to need to buy a few seconds from the other guys, if that's possible. I want to teach you guys something real quick. And, and you know, um, first of all, as God is faithful, there was a lot of prayer that was going into, into all that we've done over the last six years. 
and we've seen God just answer prayers after prayers. Um, one of the things is we, we, we in Guatemala, we have this saying, it's uh, more prayer, more power. No prayer, no power. So let's let's repeat that. More prayer, more power. Okay, no prayer, no power. You know, in Acts chapter 12, we, we see uh, James was just killed. Peter is thrown into prison. And it says in verse 5, you don't have to turn there for time's sake. It says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but in, uh, but in constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. He's in prison. The church is praying. Then what happens next is amazing. Middle of the night, the angel comes and sets him free. Then all of a sudden, he goes back to where that prayer meeting's at. They answer the door, and they're like, who is that? It's Peter. Peter? What's he doing here? Oh, wait, we're praying for him, but that can't be. But here's the deal. It says down in 12, it says this. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And so they were still praying, you know, and then that's, you know, he came and, and they were amazed. And so as we begin this first uh, um, time of prayer, I, I want you to pray not just flippantly. I want you to pray fervently. I want you to pray in faith, knowing that your prayers here in Richmond have power. God hears your prayers. And there's many that are in prison right now. Matter of fact, our church in Guatemala um, uh, supports a missionary in Jordan. And he was with us just a few months ago. And he was telling us that in his social circle that they were investigating, interrogating. He was getting messages as we were there. So when he was bringing his family there, that he was going to be investigated and interrogated to, to see, are you a Christian or what is your purpose here in this country? And possibly face prison time. And so it's real. But what we can do here is we can pray. And so I want to introduce this time right now um, of, of prayer. That as you bow your heads, whether it's to, together with the person next to you or just uh, by yourself, that we're praying in faith. We're praying for those that, have, that are being imprisoned, that are persecuted, you know, that are being beaten, that are being, you know... Um, just on a daily basis, you know, rejected from their families. And so as we read this right here, um, it says what? Pray the Lord would release them from the bondage and the darkness that he would give them grace and strength. It takes on a whole new word of grace and strength, huh, guys? To endure the abuse and the persecution that through him they may be shining lights for Jesus wherever they are. And so, if you will, let's begin to pray. I hate to interrupt. The sound of these prayers is just so wonderful. As we move into our next area of prayer, 
we think about the pastors and the church leaders and just such an awesome responsibility that they have. And when at times they, they're, they're martyred for their love and their commitment to Christ. Galatians 6, 9. While it's something that as all believers we take to heart, for church leaders and pastors especially, it says, let us not lose <clears throat> heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. That was the NASB. New King James says, if we do not lose heart. And the ESV says, if we don't give up. So as we pray for the pastors and the church leaders, pray for their strength, wisdom, endurance, boldness to be able to continue doing what they're doing, and compassion, the underground pastors and other church leaders risking everything to minister to the body of Christ. There's a lot of organizations around the world that help support these people. Pray for those organizations to continue, that the doors would remain open for them, and that the Lord's will would be done. Lord, we definitely pray that uh, you hear our prayers and our hearts. And Father, as we, uh, you know, for all of us, as we pray for the missionaries and the countries, one of the things that's often forgotten um, are the families and the children that go along with. And they're not always in a separate place, but are right alongside the missionaries. Um, so this next section is specifically to pray for the, for the families um, that uh, go with their spouses, uh, pray for the children that they would go strong in their faith, that they would not be discouraged by what they're enduring. While the missionaries endure um, hardships, the, the spouses and the, and the children endure their own hardships. Uh, and sometimes it's the same hardship in addition to certain things. Um, so we want to pray that the children would not lose their faith, but their faith in, in Christ would grow stronger, that they wouldn't be resentful of anything, but the spouses would also be strengthened and have courage um, because a spouse helps the other spouse uh, strengthen one another and encourages one another. So this time we want to go forward to just pray for the strengthening of of. Uh, the spouse and, and also the children. Um, I do want to read Psalm 78, verses 6 through 7. It says, That the generation to come might know them, speaking of the praises of the Lord, his strength, and, his, and the wonderful works that he does. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So in this time, let's go and pray for the families of the missionaries.
All righty. <clears throat> Thank you. Again, sorry to interrupt. It's great, great seeing this. This is very neat. So for our last section, we'll pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We'll be praying for a spiritual awakening throughout the world and praying that non-believers, especially those that persecute, that would, they would come to know the Lord as, they would know Lord Jesus as Savior and pray that the Lord would use this time to awaken the churches and the body of Christ in our cities, in our countries. So two main things, praying for the persecutors and praying for people in our own country and the church in our own country that we would, that we would uh, become more and more aware, aware. And as Pastor Tim mentioned, becoming intentional about it. And um, Ezekiel 16 has warnings to God's people. This is a warning to the people of Jerusalem and they are being likened to the people of Sodom. So that's a sobering comparison. And I believe that God's people in this country would need a wake-up reminder like that as well. So Ezekiel 16, it warns God's own people that they're likened to Sodom. And they had the things that they, that they had going on that they didn't even see. They had pride, abundance, abundance of bread, and abundance of idleness. So they were very idle. They were proud. They had everything they needed. And yet it says they did not strengthen the hands of the poor or needy. So these things were against them. And then it says, and I took them away as I saw, foot, the, as I saw fit. And so the Lord himself said, and I took them away as I saw fit. So because they were doing these things, they were proud and didn't care about their brothers and sisters, he took them away as was necessary, as he, as he had to do. And interestingly, I was listening to Pastor Raven, uh, Leonard Ravenhill on Friday, as Pastor Tim had mentioned too, just a great, powerful speaker. Uh, there were a number of great quotes just in this 15-minute video that I listened to, but one thing he said that stuck out to me is, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. And entertainment in this country is almost like an opiate. You have to treat it like that, where people are looking for something else. It's almost something like an addictive substance that people turn to they don't have the joy of the Lord. They don't. They don't have that. And even even the church, even myself, and our you know our families, it's easy to just turn to other things for that, not being aware of what's going on to our brothers and sisters throughout the world. So, with that, let's go before the Lord, praying for the persecutors and praying for our own churches, please. Father, together we humbly bow before you. And Lord, we do ask for an outpouring of your spirit. Lord, even if we've been baptized by the spirit in this room individually, we need to be re-immersed by your spirit. Our brothers and sisters need the full immersion of your spirit. Lord, we know that when you, when you pour out your spirit, you can heal anything. You can break any chain. You can open any door, iron curtain, bamboo curtain, uh, Islamic curtain. Lord, it doesn't matter. Lord, we know that the outpouring of your spirit will uh, quicken your church to be about your work because we are closer to your return right now than when this service began. 
Lord, even now, you may be readying the angels to blow the trumpet. But Lord, we pray that you, you said when you turn, would you find faith on the earth? Would you find faith in the church? Lord, pour out your spirit. Increase our faith. Increase our belief. Increase our love. Increase our compassion for those that are suffering. Increase our compassion for those that are lost. Lord, we can't just ride by our neighbors and not at least pray for them. Much less, Lord, just reach out with love. So, Lord, we just pray that in this room, we pray every Sunday for revival. Lord, I pray that it, we'd be more committed to praying it daily in this room, in our prayer closet. We pray for the outpouring of your spirit on the persecuted church. And all that we pray for, Lord, we, that it would continue, that uh, you have planted seeds here this morning, that you would a cause to flourish and to grow, and that we'd have the heart and mind of Jesus on these matters. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may get back to your seats if you are away from your seats, but I want to say thank you for coming. Last Sunday, I preached a message on the Word of God. We talked about two things. The Word of God, it's not the only two things. I'll add a third thing the Word of God does. We talked about the Word of God reminds us and it, well, not, it, it always reminds us when that's important. Because we forget things, right? Uh, but uh, the Word of God, I did mention, it also refreshes us, doesn't it? But we talked about, and I didn't talk about that one, but the second one I did talk about, it, we said it gives us revelation. We need the revelation of the Word of God. Now, if you read the Word, a revelation is if you read the Word of God and you see, wow, Jesus is really into prayer. I think I need to be into prayer. I mean, he is really into prayer. And it's even weird that, like, Jesus, many churches can't find time to pray. Can you imagine pastors, we Sunday stand for the Lord, we're like, we just couldn't fit it in. Do you see the agenda we have to follow? Do you see the, 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 the norms that people expect? This is Jesus. Like, where did you get that? I didn't have a bulletin in the Bible. We, 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 these are things that we have acquired over time. And Jesus said, but I did ask you to pray. You saw me get up early in the morning and pray. And you said, I said, can you not pray for one hour? We didn't pray for an hour. We prayed for 22 minutes. And that was in between little sound bites of, of hey, here's what we're going to be talking about next. But I want to thank you for coming because I believe God looked down and sees us praying. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit look at each other and say, they're doing it. Amen. They're interceding. They're supplicating. Uh, in the book of Revelation, I'll close with this. In the book of Revelation, uh, John sees this take place um, in, in the 8th chapter. He says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. You can't send anything to heaven, but you can, your, your prayers will go into an incense container of some sort in heaven of the prayers of the saints. You're not going to send forth your devo. I'm not going to send forth any messages I preach, but we will send forth the prayers. And they're like an incense to God. I have to preach, that's a responsibility. You have to parent, that's a responsibility. You have, but, but our prayers, God keeps them because he says, this shows that you're developing my heart because Jesus was constantly in prayer with his Father. And we're developing the heart of God. And so uh, I pray that you would... Watch the video we're going to send out. We'll post it on the Facebook site. We'll post it at the other, uh, the internal uh, Facebook, and we'll send it on the admin. Uh, please do that. 
Sometime tonight, one other challenge, with your family, sometime tonight, be intentional. Take five minutes this evening, because it's still day of prayer. Take five minutes and stop. And if you can't even get on your knees with your family, five minutes to pray for the persecutors. Well, we already did it this morning. That's okay. Double down on it. <laughs> Go a little bit more. Uh, last week, we learned. Today, we applied. Amen? This is application. God is saying, hey, learn a bunch about prayer. No, he says, be about prayer. And then, you know, continue it. Driving down the road, God reminds you. You just have this random thought of Iran. Start praying. Random thought about, uh, well, we have the pastors in other countries. Pray for them. What's going on in Guatemala? Pray for it. Pray for that, you know, those, those kind of things. So uh, do that. Take five minutes tonight sometime with your family. You have to be intentional. You might have to write it down right now or you will forget. Oh, man, I completely forgot. But Jesus, when we see him someday, I thank you for being here to pray. But you know what? God will never thank you for this. You know what he says? Well done. Thanks comes from us. This, this month is called Thanksgiving month, right? Thanks always springs from us back to God. God will never, you'll never see anywhere in the Bible, you can read Genesis to Revelation, you will never see not one place where God says, thank you. If you don't, I challenge you, if you can find one verse where God thanks a servant, you'll never say, he says, well done, you've done well, you've done as you should, thanks comes from us to God, but God said, so we can thank each other. I thank you for praying. I know, Jeff, you thank, you're thankful for their prayers and support. We are, but God's not thanking you and me for our service. He's saying, yeah, that's what you should be doing. I saved you from hell. Thanks comes from us. Why don't we stand? I was going to close some worship, but we'll save worship for next week. You did worship, by the way, when you prayed. It's a form of worship. We, we'll not have any more singing this morning. But thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I know on Jeff's part. Jeff, if they would like to give any support to you in the, in the ministry today, um, what, should they write those to shepherd staff? Any, if it's a check... Um, is that the way they should do it? Yeah. We have cards for everyone, too. Are they out there in the... So, Jeff's invisible table is right over here. <laughs> if you can spot him, you kind of know where... Uh, so, and he can... He can if you want to support the ministry beyond what you're already doing, or, or, or maybe you've never done it at all, and you'd like to, uh, you can write that to Shepherd staff, and, and they'll be hanging out here for a little while. But... Um, did you have a question? Yeah, yes. Election on yes, there is an election on Tuesday. Are we going to get some godly people this year? <laughs> I'll say this about the election. When you go in, vote with the Bible. Amen. You know, that, you can't go wrong. Say, well, some things, uh, you know, there's, there's bad things on both sides. Yeah, that's true, but there are bigger, bigger priorities. Some things are in, more important than others, you know. Uh, Unborn being killed is a far bigger, God says the blood of the land cries out. He doesn't say that about some of the other indiscretions. There are things that uh, are wrong, uh, but there's levels of sin in the Bible too. If you say, well, is that really right? Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't get the death penalty for anything. Some sins don't require the death penalty. Murder gets the death penalty. So God says, look, if the country ha ha continues to do this, you know, Russ mentioned Ezekiel, that God does speak out 
uh, and says, you know, even he talks about the child sacrifice. We have that in our own country. And so uh, I would implore you to stand with the scriptures, uh, what the Bible has to say about marriage, what the Bible has to say about the sanctity of life. They are the bigger issues. I'm not a single issue voter. I'm a biblical issue voter. Uh, so whatever the scriptures say. And I know that sometimes we're choosing between two unsaved people. I get it. You want to look at our, what, where does it line up the most of the scriptures. So thank you, Larry, for that reminder. Um, I am aware of that. But uh, persecuted church was kind of like my laser focus today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that and Jeff visiting. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the ministry of prayer. We thank you that you've counted us worthy not because of anything we've done but because of the blood of jesus now covers us and lord as you've saved us by grace you've called us by the ministry of grace you train us to be disciples and part of that lord is to pray uh, you've given us this responsibility and a privilege and lord i pray that even right now we have lifted some chains around the world we've broken some chains around the world not because of anything we've done just as of, out of obedience it's your spirit that does the work, but, Lord, you do respond to an obedient church. And, Lord, we pray that you are looking down with all of our flaws and all of our baggage, and you still would say, well done, good and faithful little church. We pray, Lord, that that is your heart towards us, and we pray that we would grow in our gratitude towards you and our love and compassion towards others. And may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up and his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.